Now, I am very excited to share with you this morning and, and share the next stage, the next step of, of the vision that I, I feel the Lord is leading us to as, as a church, as some Mungos, both in Livingston and Bologna. The next stage is simply the last part uh, of the vision God has already given us. And I'm excited to share this because I know how key it has been in my development and growth as a disciple of Jesus. And it's summed up in two letters, go. It's probably the hardest of the three words, abide, transform, and go. Let's remind ourselves of the vision of St. Mungo's. St. Mungo's is a church family who look to be loved as we are loved. Together as we take up the call of Jesus to abide in his love, be transformed by the Holy Spirit, and go with the good news of the kingdom of God to be loved. So as we abide in his presence, we're transformed by his word and spirit, and we go with the good news of the kingdom of God to bring his kingdom to be loved. And as we live such a life, we live out the great commandment and the great commission that Jesus has called to us to as his disciples. Now, since sharing this vision, we've looked at what it means to love God with all our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength. As we abide and we love him in response to his love as his children in our true identity. We've looked to be transformed by the Holy Spirit as we live our lives open and obedient to him, living generous lives with what he has given us so that we can bless others, both who know Jesus and those who don't, to be growing disciples in that. And this morning, we look at this last word of go that I sense God is wanting us to push into as a church, that as we go with the good news of the kingdom of God, we make disciples. This is the great mission of the church that has never changed and yet is so often forgotten. And Jesus defined the mission of the church in Matthew 28. And I want to be really clear about this. This is what the mission of the church is. Go, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love how often when Jesus commands us to do something, he gives us a promise too. And we'll see that as we look at what it means to be a disciple. I've sensed for a while now that God wants us to continue to be loved by abiding, by being transformed. And then as his disciples going to make other disciples in love. In one sense, this is nothing new, but it's probably the hardest part of the vision. And I think God's been preparing us over these last couple of years so that we're ready for this. I feel that God wants us to really push into this so that we become a discipling church. And I realize this is going to take some time. What encourages me is that Discipleship is something that is already happening in St. Mungo's. Just to pick out a few things this morning 
So in our older primary, for example, Caitlin and Ruth have started a discipleship group in the last year called Dive In, where they meet to read the Bible, pray, build friendships, eat and have fun together and learn what it means to be followers of Jesus. We're also seeing discipleship happening in our older youth in the S4 to S6 group, where they're growing in their relationship with God and with each other. A while back, we recently launched Safar, which is a discipleship tool within the company of men here in Bologna, which allows uh, us guys to get to know each other a bit more, to encourage each other to be disciples of Jesus and to become more of disciples as we move forward. Safar is also a tool that we're going to... put out to the whole church, which we're going to encourage you to meet in one-to-one, whether with friends or with people you might not know within the church. And to, it will help you to become, um, go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and with one another. Me and Aid Smith have been doing it over the last six months, and we've loved it. It's helped us grow in our friendship, but it's also helped us, again, to hear the call of Jesus on our lives and to encourage each other. And there'll be more about that later on in the term. Now, one of the things that Jesus calls us to be as his disciples is fruitful. As we live this new life for him uh, that he won for us by his death and his resurrection. Jesus makes this clear when he stated, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. But what does it mean to be fruitful as a disciple of Jesus? Two authors, uh, Jim Putman and Bob Harrington, in their book, Discipleship Shift, wrote this. The New Testament is intently Christ-centered. Jesus is the key to everything. He's the bread of life, the light of the world the good shepherd, the vine, the gate, the way, the truth, and the life, and the model to follow. The ideal life is focused on Jesus. It's not just trusting him, but also truly following him. To focus on him is to live a fulfilling life. It's about becoming more and more like him in the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. To be conformed into the likeness of Jesus is the goal. The word for this is discipleship. And the New Testament church was all about being and making disciples of Jesus. I love that thought at the end of that quote, that the New Testament church was all about being disciples. Of abiding in Christ and being transformed by Christ. And then also making disciples, going. So to be fruitful For Jesus means two things. Firstly, to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. Paul, when writing to the church in Rome, said, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I love that how that verse paints us of being a family. We were chosen to become like Jesus. First part of being fruitful is to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus as his disciples, becoming more and more like Jesus as we follow him in the power of the Spirit and for the glory of God. 
So as we abide and as we, uh, we are transformed. And then the second part of what it means to be fruitful is that we, as we go into the world, we make disciples. Remember, Jesus chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit will, that will last. That's Jesus talking about you and me. That's Jesus talking about people. That's Jesus talking about us being witnesses and making disciples. So to be fruitful as a disciple of Jesus means to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus, to love God and others, fulfilling the great commandment by abiding and being transformed. But it also means as we go, we make disciples, which is the mission of the church, fulfilling the great commission. I really like how Dallas Willard describes this. He said, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Just think for that for a moment. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. See, that's the amazing thing about Jesus. He doesn't try to mold us to all be completely the same. No, he's created us fearfully and wonderfully to be different, with gift, different giftings and abilities so we can bring the good news of the kingdom of God in different places. And all this is done out of a response to his love for us. We love because he first loved us. Making disciples is being part of love. We go with the good news of the kingdom of God to be love. As Dave talked about last time, so many of you are so good about being love in different ways. And that so often brings up conversations. What's different about you? Why are you doing these things? And it provides us an opportunity to share the good news of the kingdom of God. You know, I was very blessed in my Christian life right at the beginning. In the week after I became a Christian, two guys, two Christians who I knew, um, said, would you like us to disciple you? Here they are, Matt and Ed, with a rather younger me. We met every day for the rest of the academic year, and we shared our lives, good and bad. We read the Bible together, we prayed, and we tried to be loved to each other. There were great days where we had great fun, but there were also some really tough times where we learned what it meant to be loved when it all went wrong, where we said or did the wrong thing. And Ed, who brought me to the Lord, this is Ed here, um, has been a constant friend and has, has discipled me throughout the rest of our time over the 25 or 30 years I've been a Christian. I've learned so much from Ed and Matt. And I've learned from them what Jack Deere writes about discipleship. He says, discipleship is not about passing on some skills. That's a mentoring relationship. Discipleship is not an accountability relationship. People stress accountability where they don't know how to relate. Discipleship is loving someone, enjoying a person with whom we have a special chemistry and teaching them to love the things that Jesus loves. Discipling someone is not an obligation, it's a pleasure. As I was discipled, I felt loved and cared for even when I got it wrong, and I got it wrong a lot. I started to see the fruit in my life of becoming more like Jesus and being encouraged to go and make disciples by sharing the good news. That small group of two then morphed into a bigger group. We, this group, we were called the Accountables. We met every Sunday afternoon to share, 
to read scripture and to pray for each other. Each week we would spend time with one of the group looking to encourage each other or do something social. And this allowed us to continue to grow and to encourage each other to grow as a disciple. We learned so much from each other. We still do. The following year, that group morphed into, a, uh, into another one. That, that, uh, as that year ended, I went to America, to Washington State. And one of the things I was so excited about was that I got to disciple a group of high school seniors. Here are just some of them. They were an amazing group. That year, I learned about discipleship, about the importance of loving well by turning up to watch football games in the middle of the winter, taking them out for breakfast and answering their endless questions about relationships with grace and taking them to the Ukraine on the mission. The next year, I went to D.C. and discipled two guys who I'm glad to say are still bearing fruit. And one on the right was I was best man to. And then I moved to Wester Hills, Another opportunity to make disciples. Not all the young people and adults I've discipled are still following Jesus, but I love hearing from those who are. I love continuing to disciple other people. The key question for us as a leadership and a church is, are we making mature disciples of Jesus with those who are in the church family who are not only able to withstand the culture we're in at the moment, but also make disciples of Jesus themselves? A disciple is not just a convert of Jesus, but a doer, a learner, a student, a Christian follower, an apprentice of Jesus, a lifelong follower and learner. A key thing for us as we move forward in this year is to have a clear understanding of what a disciple of Jesus is. So let me ask the question, what is a disciple of Jesus? How would you define it? Well, the good news is as we read through the gospel, Jesus actually defines what a disciple is. And it's very clear and it's very short, so you'll be able to remember it. But let's turn to Matthew 4.19. If you've got your Bibles, whether on your phone or in paper copy, I'd I'd encourage you just to open your Bibles to Matthew 4.19, where Jesus defines what it is to be a disciple. Jesus said, Remember, he's speaking to two men who weren't his disciples at this moment, but he's inviting them to be in relationship with him. And he says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of people. I think there are three marks of what it means to be a disciple that Jesus teaches us here. Firstly, is a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus. Come follow me. Secondly, it's transformed by Jesus, and I will make you, and then goes for Jesus. I will make you fishers of people. So let's take each of these. Firstly, a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus. Come, follow me. This has to do with our, with our heads, with our minds. Notice the first thing that Jesus says to Peter and Andrew is come, follow me. So a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus. Jesus leads and we follow. That's what repentance means, that we were living our own lives, um, making our own decisions in a sense, just for ourselves. And then we have a revelation of who Jesus is as the Son of God. 
We repent and believe and we turn around. That's what repent means. And we start to follow Jesus. At its most, most basic sense, a disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. He becomes our savior and our friend. And Jesus makes it very clear what it means to love him as we follow him. Look at John 14. It says this. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. So the first thing about being a disciple of Jesus means to follow Jesus to repent and believe and follow Jesus. That means that in our heads, we and our emotions, we look to follow him. Not what we want, but what he wants. Next, there's a promise here. And I will make you. The promise is that Jesus will transform us as we follow him. Have you ever noticed that about this, this statement that Jesus gives us a promise? That as we follow him, it's he who will transform us as we work in partner with him. He will make you. He will transform you. Jesus will transform us into his likeness, into being fishers of people. Jesus invites us to follow him before we all have it sorted out. You know, I remember one girl who... Um, she gave her life to Jesus, and then she had a bit of a, uh, a kind of a, a moment. And I can remember her coming to me, and she said, she said, I've become a Satanist. I was like, what? I thought you were a, a follower of Jesus. I was like, oh my goodness, what do you do with this? You know, this is not what you want to tell your boss. That one of your youth who was a follower of Jesus has now become a Satanist. I was just like... Oh, and boy, did I pray. I got on my knees like this. And I agreed that in a week I'd meet this girl to talk with her, um, with one of our female um, youth leaders. And I remember going to, to meet with her. And, um, and I was like, ooh. And, and she said, oh, it's all right, all. I've given up on that. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I was like, okay. Uh, and she said, you know what? He loves me for who I am. I had to do all these ritual things to enter into this small club. It was so dark and horrible. But Jesus accepts me as I am. See, we don't have to have it all worked out. All we need to know is our need for Jesus and our willingness to follow him. And he will transform us by the power of his word and spirit. And then as we... As we follow him, he promises to transform us, to become in his likeness, but also so that we go and we make fishes of people. And I will make you fishes of people, Jesus says. This is about our hands and our feet. Jesus doesn't just die on the cross and rise again so that we can receive eternal life, so that we come to church. No, he, he gives us a, a new life and a purpose. And that purpose, that mission is to make disciples. Peter and Andrew had been fishermen all their lives. They'd been growing up that way. And Jesus invites them into a relationship with him. He says, come, follow me. And I will, I will transform you as you follow me. And I will give you a new purpose, a new mission. And that is to make disciples. 
And the only reason that you and I are here is because they took up that mission. And as, uh, as Jesus went back up into heaven, they were empowered by the Spirit. And they went and they made disciples. And that's why we're here. That's the mission of the church. That hasn't changed. To go and to be, to make disciples. To be disciples, to be growing disciples, and to make disciples. So as we follow Jesus, he will transform us. He'll transform our brokenness because we're all broken. That's why we need Jesus. And then as we go as broken people, being transformed, being restored, being loved in our true identity, we go to make disciples. How did Jesus make disciples? Well, he invited them along. He didn't say, right, next Tuesday at 9 o'clock, you'll be in the classroom and uh, I'm going to teach you uh, Discipleship 101. He didn't say that. He said, come follow me. Discipleship is best done through relationship. We see that as we continue in the New Testament with Paul and Timothy. Paul writes this, you, Timothy, have followed my, Paul's teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Ixium and Lystria, with which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. You see, Paul basically said, follow me, Timothy. Be an imitator of me. Why? Because Paul was an imitator of Jesus. You see, discipleship is best done in the family. It's best done in relationship. That's why Alpha is so good, because it's done in relationship. We talk, we eat together, we invite our friends. As we start to think about making disciples, it's important for us to understand what our responsibility is. So I think there's three parts. Our responsibility the person with discipling's responsibility, and then God's part. Firstly, what are the things I can do, my part, to, to help um, develop a person? And that could be someone in the congregation, because I'm talking about, I'm talking about discipleship. I'm not just talking about people who don't know yet Jesus. We're, we're all discipling each other. We learn from each other, yep. That's why we have house groups, so that we can learn from each other, that we can grow together. That happens best together in a family. And so our part is to be disciples, to follow Jesus, to spend time with him. And then as we, as we, we make disciples, our commitment is to pray for them, to be there, to be in relationship, with, to be vulnerable, to listen, to, pr- to share with them. That's what it means. But we need to be a disciple. That's our part. So that they can see Jesus in us. And then what's their part? You know, we can't, we can't live the life of Jesus for them. They have to make that decision. They need to be committed. And they're going to have their ups and downs as any new disciple does. You know, I remember um, this guy when I was in D.C. asked me um, to, if I would disciple him. I said, of course. Let's meet on Monday We'll have breakfast together and we'll just start just to, to talk about what it means to live for Jesus. He didn't turn up. 
Next week, he said, oh, can we do it again, you know? So he met, and man, it was tough. And yet, he just, there was no desire on his part to be a disciple of Jesus. He wanted uh, Christianity to be what he said it was, not what Jesus said it was. And eventually, he had to give up. And then it's God part. It's only God who saves. It's only God who transforms and sends people out with him to make disciples. We can do none of these things and we need to just be patient and trust him and pray. I can remember a guy, uh, I was discipling Wester Hills and oh, it was going great and he was really growing in the Lord and then he got a new job and he got more money and his focus started to change and he started not to meet. And he started to have his, his view on other things. And like I talked to him, he wasn't interested. So I prayed that God would encounter him and bring him back. And he had this encounter one night in his flat. And the next day he phoned me up and he said, oh, I'm really sorry. I want to start again. I said, well, every day is a new start with Jesus. So let's start. And I can say that that guy is now living for Jesus. So the next step in God's vision for us as a church, as Jesus' disciples, growing disciples, is that we go and make disciples, that we are a church where discipleship happens the whole time. Remember, we love because he first loved us. We do this out of his love. This means in our day-to-day lives, we need to be disciples of Jesus. We need to be followers of Jesus. You know, we need to repent when we get it wrong and continue to believe even in the tough times. We need to surrender our lives every day and follow Jesus. We need to be in the Gospels. We need to abide and spend time with Jesus and follow him. And here's a picture of what that looks like. We just go to the next slide. We love because he first loved. So we need to be disciples. We need to follow Jesus with the core value of being loved. Then as we do this, as we follow Jesus, we become growing disciples, committed to be transformed by Jesus. As we follow a Bible, we're transformed into the likeness of Christ. As as, as we attend house group and do different things, we, we grow together. And we start to bear fruit, greater fruit in our lives. And this is all done in relationship and in love. And again, what does this look like? Well, as we are disciples, as we be disciples, we we are transformed by Jesus and we become growing disciples. You see how it comes. You're not going to grow unless you're following Jesus. But if you're following Jesus, you're going to grow. And then as growing disciples, we become making We go, and I will make you fishers of men. As you look for opportunities, you share the good news of of, of the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're in love with Jesus, and you want others to know of that love. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes when you're out in the street, you don't feel like sharing Jesus. But yet, someone asks you a question, or you have that opportunity to share. We want to be a church that's fruitful, both as a family and as individuals. What does this look like for us as a church? Well, being disciples, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. This means that we, re- church, we, we need to really sow into our relationship with Jesus. We need to spend time in his presence in prayer. Tell him how it is. Be honest. Be real with him. 
You know, so I think so many of us are frightened that if we say, God, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling with this. You know, the only way that God is, and he already knows, but he wants you to say so that when you welcome him and when you ask him for help, you know it's him. You know it's him who's coming to help you. We need to be disciples, church. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to be in the world, open to the Holy Spirit, and be obedient to him. Is it hard? Yes, it is. But actually, there's blessing that comes out of obedience. So the first thing we need to be, church, is to be disciples, to follow after Jesus. You really need to get this. And then as we follow Jesus, we grow, and I will make you. Maybe you've got, a bit, got stuck in a bit of a rut. And I'd really encourage you, when we launch so far throughout the church, that you go, oh, You've got a friend, you go, why don't we start Safari? It's a one-to-one discipleship tool, and it's great. It's really easy, and it's not just scripture and like memorize. It's actually building relationship with God and with the person you're doing it with. Why don't you start to do Safari when we launch it with one of the congregation? Are you attending house group? House group is our opportunity in a big church to be church, to be loved, to disciple each other, to love each other. I love my house group. I wasn't feeling so well this week. And so I said to the house group, look, I'm really sorry. Um, you, can we not meet this week? And then back came the texts, praying for you. you know, hope, hope you get better soon. And you're just being love. Using your spiritual gifts within the house group to be loved, to encourage others, using the prophetic. Praying for people to be healed. And then... You know, we, we grow most when we're serving. Do you know that? When we're on mission, whether in one of the outreach, whether it's the farmer's market, whether it's minis, whether it's Spirit Cafe, whether it's Alpha, whether it's the caravan, whether it's be love in the sense of Valley Friends, whether it's being in the wellness center. We actually learn when we use our gifts. Are you using your gifts at the moment? Because when you do, you grow. Because you have to take that step of faith Faith is about risk. Because we're not relying on ourselves, we're relying on God. So if we want to be growing disciples, we need to be disciples. We need to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we get transformed. And as we get transformed, we have this passion to do what Jesus wants us to do as a church, which is the mission that Jesus has given us, which is to go and to make disciples. That's how the church grows. And each of you have got people that only you know who you, who probably might even be hungry for Jesus. Now, I was thinking about what was going to be the giveaway. You know, someone asked me, is there going to be a gift this this year? And I was like, no. (laughs) I was racking my brains. Oh, God. You know, like this. And I was talking to Dave. I was talking to Wendy. And um, one of the one of the churches that when I was in West Hills that we used to love working with was the Redeemer Church, the Nigerian Church. It was just wonderful. And that when we went out on outreach in West Hills, they used to wear these baseball jackets. And on the back it said, ask me about Jesus. I was like, oh, I want one of those. Ask me about Jesus. Yeah, has Jesus changed your life? Let me ask you again, has Jesus changed your life? Is Jesus changing your life? Could you do that on your own? No. 
See, we often forget we've got good news. We forget what Jesus has done for us. So we've all got stickers. <gasps> so I thought, well, I better do this first. So I stuck it on my mobile phone cover. Asked me about Jesus. And it was amazing. Stuck it on, and then I went into the co-op. And you could see the, the woman go. And then on Friday, I was in a restaurant in town. I had it on the table. The waitress. See, all, all the surveys that the church is doing at the moment is saying that there are thousands of people who want to know about Jesus, but they don't know who to ask. They don't know who to ask. Isn't that really sad? And they don't want to come to church because they don't know what church is like. They think it's boring. You know that Jesus has changed your life, don't you? Yeah? Can we get a bit of buy-in here? <laughs> not trying to be corporate, don't worry. I'm just asking a fact. You know that Jesus is changing your life, yeah? You've got testimony. So when someone asks you, all right, what, what's Jesus done for you? Then you can say, well, actually he answered a prayer this week. I've been going through a really difficult point and he's brought peace in the midst of all that's going on. See, people want to know that God is real. People want to know that actually Jesus can make a difference and they're really hungry. Is that scary? You know, when I stuck that on the phone, I was like, ooh. My first question came to mind, what are you going to say all when someone asks you? I was rehearsing. It's good to rehearse. It's good to be prepared, isn't it? It's good to have fresh testimony each week. That's why we pray. That's why we encourage each other. You know, I thank you so much. You know, when Derek said, you know, um, about me, thank you for your love. Thank you for the way you encourage me. I really need it. You're a wonderful church family. I couldn't do life on its own. I just really couldn't. I've tried. It doesn't work. That's, there are people out there who are alone. I remember, final story, uh, when we were out in Livingston one day, we were doing free hugs. And I can remember Laurie Hudson telling me, we gave this hug to this guy. The person hadn't been hugged or touched for, for something like five years. Five years. There are people out there who don't know that they're loved. They don't know the good news, and you do. So we've got stickers for you. You can stay, I stuck another one on my Bible, because I often have my Bible out, I take my Bible to a cafe. Where are you gonna stick it? Are you gonna stick it on your coffee mug? You know, on your water bottle, on your phone cover? And just start praying. See, we need to be bold, church. And we've got good news, amen? And we can just be love in the midst of it. We don't have to go straight in for the jugular, tell people they're a sinner, they need to say, actually, we just need to tell them about Jesus. They'll work it out for themselves sometimes. You know, and this might put the fear of God in you. This is the hardest part of the vision. 
I think it's, you know, we love abiding in his presence, don't we, as a church? We love being in his presence. We love being transformed. But say the word go, and it's like, oh. But we're called to go. This is the mission of the church. And so I want to be a discipling church. I know lots of you already disciple people, and thank you so much for doing that. But I want to make this a real focus for us as a church. And that we disciple one another as a church family. We encourage each other. We use the giftings God has given us, but we also look to disciple others. How do we do that? We tell them about Jesus. Ask me about Jesus, and I'll tell you. And the good news is that we don't do it by ourselves. Remember, we work with God. We're in partners with him. One of the things that I find really encouraging is the last thing that Jesus said to the disciples. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We've been baptized because we believed. And God gives us, wants to give us fresh power so that we can be his witnesses, to bring the good news of the kingdom of God by being love. Amen? It's not I have to, it's I get to. And one day, when we're seeing him face to face, we might look to the left or the right, and we might have the privilege of being able to say, God used me to bring that person into the kingdom. There's no greater reward than to bring someone into the kingdom, to allow God to allow you. So let's be a church um, who discipleship is at our core. Why? Because we love Jesus and we want others to know. So please, even if you don't stick it on your phone today or your water bottle, please take a sticker and pray. Or where do you want me to stick this? So that people can see it and people can ask me. We're at 12 o'clock. So let's just pray. And if you, let's just pray in our seats. Um, I mean, I think some of you think I'm like, Oh, evangelism crazy. I get scared. You know that moment when someone and you go, oh. But we've got the Holy Spirit to help us. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us again with your fresh power so that we can be your witnesses? So that when someone asks us about Jesus, that we're able to share about what you've done in our lives, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh. And thank you. This is a church that loves really well, looks to encourage, to grow each other as disciples. Help us to take the next step, to go and make disciples in your power so that many may come into your kingdom and we may have the blessing of seeing people coming to know Jesus and following him. So come, Holy Spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.